Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. A testament to true teamwork and the generous spirit of the members of our Board of Trustees at East Church, I am pleased to report that there now exists a rather outsized pile of leaves gathered up in front of the parsonage, awaiting pickup by the City of Concord in their annual fall cleanup. This was the result of a recent work day in which all those leaves got raked and blown and pushed out to the road. And let me just say here that given the fact that we have a pretty big yard out in back of the parsonage with lots of maples, this was no small job. And so I was very grateful for the help. Moreover, since we do kind of have a reputation for having one of the largest leaf piles in the neighborhood every fall, an honor that actually got our picture on the front page of the local paper a few years back, there is some small amount of satisfaction in continuing that tradition, not to mention a fair amount of relief to finish this job before snow flies and a long New Hampshire winter begins. So thanks again to everyone for being there to help. Actually, I have to think that somewhere up in heaven, my father is looking down on all this and chuckling. That's because when I was a kid, it was often my responsibility every autumn to do the raking in our yard. And although I prefer to remember that I spent a lot of hours happily doing that chore, in all honesty, I really do have to say that I spent considerably more time and effort trying to avoid the job altogether. Procrastination, that was my A-game back in those days. And I remember just how rationally and passionately I would tell my parents how there was absolutely no sense in even starting to rake the front yard until every last leaf had fallen from that huge oak tree that stood there. Knowing full well, of course, that said oak tree was always the last one in our neighborhood to shed its foliage. That tree alone could push the job back to at least November. You can imagine just how well that went over. And soon I'd reluctantly have to go outside with rake in hand. However, what was at most an afternoon's job easily stretched into days and sometimes even weeks as I fooled around, played in the leaves, and generally stood idle for as long as I possibly could until darkness fell and I could justifiably say, Oh, I'll just finish this tomorrow after school. Or this weekend or next weekend, or whenever, until inevitably, as is often the case in northern Maine, the gales and the snows of November would come early and cover those leaves up until spring, when, of course, they'd be wet, messy, and ten times harder to clean up. Needless to say, my father was never thrilled at that prospect, and more than once I recall him sternly warning me that if I didn't get busy in a hurry, I'd be raking those leaves even if there was a snowstorm. Oh, well. I guess most 11-year-olds have a love-hate relationship with the work ethic. However, over time, most of us have also come to appreciate the importance, value, and essential nature of work, and for more than just a paycheck. Work can actually be a blessing, a gift from God. It's a means to use our God-given gifts to serve both God and neighbor, and as a way to provide for those we love. It can also be a great source of joy and personal fulfillment. 
Work is often the way we meet people and establish meaningful friendships. And, and whether that work be that which we do on the job or in our vocation as a spouse, parent, homeowner, or simply that breed of person who's aptly named putterer, our work, and yes, how we do that work, goes a long way in defining who we are, not only from our own point of view, but also in the sight of others and in the sight of God. Interestingly, in his second epistle to the Thessalonians, Paul has some pretty strong words for believers who were, quote, living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work, unquote. Apparently, there were those in Thessalonica who had so come to believe that the kingdom of God was at hand that they'd taken on the attitude that, well, all normal activity had not only become unnecessary, but also irrelevant. Many of them had, in fact, quit their jobs, stopped participating in the life of the community, and and generally just kind of sat around waiting for something to happen. It was to the point where many of these Christians had begun to live off the work of others in order to survive. And Paul knew that such behavior could easily destroy the very fabric of this new church. And so when he writes to them regarding all of this, his tone is anything but conciliatory. Anyone unwilling to work, he writes, should not eat, and you dare not stand idle. On the face of it, the words are blunt and come off sounding unduly harsh. And yet it's an important reminder to all of us who are tempted, spiritually speaking, to lean on our rakes of both the meaning and importance of our shared vocation as Christians. That if we are the followers of Jesus Christ, that is, if our identity is found in our relationship with Christ, then that identity would certainly be manifest in the work we do, which is the work of love and justice, peace and hope done in Christ's name. In short, friends, it's our job. And the thing to remember about this is that the time for work is now, not later, not in an easier or a more convenient time, but now. There is much to be done. Indeed, many leaves are to be gathered together, and we dare not stand idle. For we are the people called to live out the reality of Christ's presence, his love and salvation in this world, until that time when Christ returns. And so, as Paul urges the church at Thessalonica, so he urges you and me. Work quietly and diligently for the sake of God's kingdom. Earn your own spiritual living. And above all, do not ever be weary of doing what is right. Now, to be sure, it can be a lot of work at times, and and it's bound to take effort on our part. So we best get busy about it. But know it'll be worth it, because just think of the leaf pile we will be creating in the process. And that's it for this edition of Love to Tell the Story. I thank you for listening, and until next time, I'm Michael Lowry, and may God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.